Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. You know, when you're trying to communicate something, uh, you, you really want to do it in a way, you want to use words that, um, that really capture it. You want to use the right word, especially if you're, if, you're, if you're communicating verbally or visually. Visually in written, you want to make sure that those words are, are the right word and they're spelled accurately. Because if, 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 if it's not done that way, it can actually undermine the message that you're trying to get across. So, for example, here's a, here's a picture of a guy who got a tattoo. And... Um, no regrets, and maybe he has at least one regret. Um, and, and by the way, this week, the BBC did a story on a church that printed a bunch of banners that had a, just a slight issue. Um, <laughs> the power of the letter T um, helps there. And by the way, this is really good news for that church because their pastor's name is Chris. So... Um, uh, here's another one. This is the school trying to promote their education, their ability to teach kids, and um, a little spelling would help. If you can't see the spelling error, I don't know what to do about that. Um, and getting the right word, the right word to communicate exactly what you want to say is, is again, increasingly important. Um, there's this one store that put the sign up. <laughs> Shoplifters will be, I mean... Let's just face it, either way it's bad, right? Either way. So no shoplifting in that store because things are going to be really bad. Look, you really want to get the right word. You want to you you spell it right. You want to get it out there so people can understand uh, what you're trying to communicate. And one of the problems is that when it comes to faith, when it comes to religion and spirituality, a lot of people spell religion or faith or spirituality this way. They spell it D-O, do. And, and this is a problem. Because this is an approach to God that, that actually comes from fear. It's a place, I, I want to appease, or I want to I wanna do the right things. I want I to please God, and it's this, this way of saying, you know, because we, we know we all mess up. We know we all make mistakes, and, uh, and I think for a lot of people, their hope is that when life is over, that they'll have, there'll be, there'll be enough good works that will, that will outweigh the bad works, so to speak. So if I can do, then, um, then, then maybe God will be happy with me. And um, this actually is a problem because it's pretty exhausting. It's, it's sort of like, a, you know, if you're a salesperson and you're selling phones or you're selling cars and, uh, and you know you've got you to reach the sales quota, but you don't really know what the sales quota is. And, and, but you sell, and you, really, really, you work really hard to sell, and the month ends and, uh, and your boss tells you that you sold a bunch of this stuff, and, but... But it didn't meet the sales quota. But he doesn't tell you or she doesn't tell you what the sales quota is. You just know you need to work harder. And, and when you take that, that approach to, and you, you apply it to, to faith and spirituality, this gets really frustrating. Because how good is good enough? Uh, how much doing really makes God happy? And, and it can be exhausting. And if, if, that's, you're, if you're in sales and you don't know what sales quote is, man, that's so exhausting. Eventually, you're just going to throw in the towel because you can never measure up. Um, and, and this approach is, is kind of like that. In fact, the, the things that we call good, maybe, maybe it's responding to a humanitarian crisis or maybe it's volunteering or serving in the city or serving at a nonprofit or taking care of the elderly or uh, whatever it might be, God's perspective 
on the things we call good, the good works, is, is really interesting because uh, there's this guy named Isaiah. There's a book in the Bible named after him. Isaiah says this, gives us a little insight in God's perspective. He says, we're all sin-infected, sin-contaminated. Every one of us has blown it, right? We're all sin-infected, sin-contaminated. Our best efforts are like grease-stained rags. The things that we would call good, all this doing, this approach to a relationship with God, actually from God's perspective is not that good. Um, and, and he looks at it and he calls it kind of dirty or filthy or grease, like a grease-stained rag. In fact, Paul, who, who ends up writing a lot of the New Testament, um, he said, we all fall short of God's holy standards. We all, we all fall short of his, of his standards. Like all of his due approach, it doesn't, it doesn't satisfy what God's standards are for us. And that really shouldn't be a surprise because we don't even live up to our own standards. So it all, it all falls short. And, and actually, it gets a little worse because uh, Paul would later on go to say in the same letter he writes to a church in Rome, he says the wages or the consequences, the result of our sinfulness, and we blow it spiritually, and when we make mistakes, it's death, physical and spiritual death, which means separation from God. And this, this is this is. This is hard stuff. In fact, what ends up happening is, as human beings, what we do is we try to minimize and rationalize. It's kind of like when my kids were younger, and I would, I would point something out was wrong. I'd confront them on something they did. And they, their, their first tendency was to be, yeah, but, but, but my sister or my brother, they instigated me. Or, or yeah, but, but at least I'm not like that, or I'm not that bad. And, and, and a lot of people, that, what, they, what they end up doing when they hear this is they try to maybe, yeah, but their way through life. At least I'm better, or at least I didn't do this, and... Yet the problem is, is that all the good stuff is, is falling short and there's consequences to it and it's, it's just really hard. And you may be sitting here thinking, I thought this was supposed to be a happy day. <laughs> but here, here's the thing. Until you comprehend and understand and feel the weight of the bad news, you won't, you won't enter into the joy of the good news. Because the reality is, is that we were in quite a predicament. And this do approach, it's not working for us. Yet there's a lot of people who try and approach a relationship with God this way. But here's what God does. And this is why we celebrate on Easter weekend. Because God sends his son. He's not satisfied that our friendship with him is broken. He knows that we can't fix it. It's beyond our ability. So he sends his son, Jesus, and Jesus, he lives the life that you and I could never live. He lives the life that you and I could never live. And, and in fact, what we find out is that he lives a sinless life, which means he's not subject to the consequences of sinfulness or spiritually blowing it, because he never did. But this is what he does. He lives the life we could never have lived, and he goes to the cross and dies the death that every one of us should have died. He suffers in a way that we all should have suffered. He substitutes himself in for any person that wants to, wants to put their faith and believe that actually he did this. He actually, he, he places his righteousness, his sinlessness on you. And Paul captures this a little bit later in the New Testament. He says, for God made Jesus, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin." so that we could be made right with God through Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ was on the cross and he said these words, these last words. He says, it is finished. Which means when it comes to faith in Christ, we don't spell it D-O, we spell it D-O-N-E, done. All the work that's necessary to be accepted by God was done by Jesus Christ. And you've got to get this. This is what differentiates Jesus from every other faith leader. Every other religious leader says, you got to do this, or you got to do this, or you need to, this is a hoop you need to jump through. But with Jesus, he's done all the work. The doing, that, that, that flows, that's a response to what he's done for us. We're not trying to measure up. Jesus has made it possible for us to measure up by what he's done for us. And, and the beautiful thing is, is that, that Jesus Christ not only lives the life that we couldn't live and dies the death that we should have died through this, look at it sort of like a spiritual legal loophole. Death could not keep him in the grave because he never sinned. He was not subject to the consequences of sin. So on the third day, he walked out of the grave alive. Now, some of you in the room are going, you're thinking, Steve, really, you, you really expect me to believe that, that Jesus walked out of a grave, resurrected? I mean, you, you really literally believe that? Because I struggle believing that. And I just want to say to you, if that's what you're thinking, you're in very good company. Because Jesus' closest friends struggled to believe that he was alive. They really struggled with it. And it wasn't until they saw him, it wasn't until they ate with him, it wasn't until they talked to him face to face that it sunk in that indeed he had been resurrected. And what this means for us, by the way, those, those people gave their lives for him. That's how much they believed in it. And what this means for us is, you know, it's spring and the flowers are popping out on trees and there are blossoms. And when that first blossom comes out, here's, here, it's, it's the first fruits of spring. You know there are hundreds of thousands of blossoms, if not millions of blossoms, that are all going to pop out when you see that first one. When Jesus walks out of the tomb, it's the first fruit. It means that anyone who is in him, anyone who has a relationship or a friendship with him, death is not going to be able to keep them in the grave either. Which means when you take your last breath here on earth, you take your first breath in heaven. And not only that, that you, not only do you not need to fear death, he applies his resurrection power to our lives here and now. Which means that the places in our souls in which we feel like that are lifeless, or the circumstances that feel hopeless, the wastelands of our souls. He actually can apply his resurrection power to those parts of our lives, and he can redeem, he can restore, he can restart, he can give new life to us even now. So spirituality, many people try and approach God, like, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, and do this, and there's a sense of this weight, a burden that comes, this fear that comes over them, and Jesus makes it possible for that all to be lifted off. And it's all because the work is done. And his resurrecting power is transforming lives. Now here's what I wanna do. I want you to hear a couple stories on the screen here. A story by a guy named Kent, and a story from a gal named Maddie, who's a college student. You're going to hear about what their life was like before they met Jesus. You're going to hear how they met Jesus. And you're going to hear how his resurrecting power has transformed 
their lives. Enjoy these stories as you see them. My name is Kent, and before I met Christ, my life was, uh, I was born in a home where uh, my parents were divorced before I was one, um, and they got remarried shortly after. My dad moved to Lapine uh, in my fifth grade uh, year, and I went with him. I didn't want to. Um, I struggled with that. At that time, my uh, stepdad and mom were, they were running their own business. Uh, he was involved, ended up getting involved in some drugs and alcohol. Um, uh, and they ultimately lost their business due to those things. Uh, but it just wasn't a good atmosphere. He got, um, through that, he got verbally abusive and physically abusive at times. And so when they lost their business, they moved to Montana uh, and I went with them. We ended up having an altercation in Montana. And when I was visiting my dad, I let him know uh, what had happened. And so my dad uh, did not allow me to go back. My dad, uh, about a year before, a year or two before, he broke his, both of his ankles and, um, and flew into a state of depression and started relying on alcohol to cope with um, his depression. And so in the midst of all that, I, uh, I got into smoking weed and alcohol at a pretty early age, and it just kept spiraling. Um, and, and I ended up getting involved in harder drugs um, closer to high school, and as I look back now, it was coping. That's how I was coping with it. I was um, trying to deal with my pain, and I didn't know how. So I had uh, a girlfriend, Leanna, uh, and she gave me an ultimatum. We were uh, on a trip in Newport, and she told me that if I didn't change my ways, uh, that she was not going to be with me. Uh, she'd stay a friend and, and try to support me through it, but um, I want. I wanted to have a relationship with her. And so uh, at that point, I, I made a decision to stop uh, the drugs and the alcohol and, and the parties. And, um, and I made the decision to let go of some friendships that uh, weren't helping me make the right choices. So mind you, I went to church through uh, all of my um, drug and alcohol phase and through all my transitions. And so uh, I always had this lingering of, uh, who God was and who Jesus was and uh, how he could save me. Um, and so I was attending a youth group and I went to a summer camp my sophomore year and they did an altar call um, and I gave my life to Christ. Um, uh, and that's how I met Jesus. So now uh, my life is quite a bit different, um, having Jesus in it. He, uh, gives me the fill that I need, that I don't need to uh, go to drugs and alcohol to numb my pain. He helps me work through it, uh, and I have more life because of that. It's not always easy, it's been a journey, um, but he has continued to show me grace, and my faith has grown more and more as I um, go to him for everything. I also have a wonderful wife, Leanna, uh, that I was able to propose to, and she accepted, and so she's been um, She's been there and, and on the journey with me. Maybe you've uh, dealt with some of the things that I did and you are trying to numb uh, the pain that you feel uh, through drugs and alcohol, or maybe it's something different. I just wanna invite you in to uh, a relationship with Jesus uh, as the source of comfort. The pain still comes and instead of leaning on drugs and alcohol or whatever it is that you might be leaning on, um, I invite you to lean on Jesus uh, as the source of comfort. He's comforted me. Um, and I haven't regretted the day that I accepted Jesus in my life.
I'm Maddie, and I'm a college student at George Fox. Um, my life before I met Christ was good. Um, I have two loving parents and three younger brothers who are great. We get along just like normal siblings do. But my life before Christ, there was something missing. Um, I had this deep longing for a deeper joy and for something more. And um, it was always there. God was always there. He was always working, but I just didn't know it. Um, I had this tug to go to Canyon View Camp in the third grade, and I went, and I was so excited to learn about Jesus. And then they asked us to flip to Philippians 4, and I had no idea where that was. I didn't know how to find it. Yeah, there was always just something. I don't know why I was drawn to the scripture, why I kept coming back, even though it didn't make sense, but there was just a part of me that was continually drawn to it. There was, there was something there. Everything changed in the spring of 2015. I got a text from my friend Morgan asking if I wanted to join her at church. Little did I know that it was Easter Sunday. Um, and so I walked in with her family that morning and the first note of the first song began to play and I was just overtaken. I was overwhelmed. I knew something had changed. I knew God met me right there. This is what the longing was. This is what I wanted. This is what um, I had been missing my entire life and I'd finally found it. I do remember Steve asking people to come to the cross um, if they wanted to, and I'm shy and timid, so the part of me um, said, I'll just accept Jesus right here in the pew. Um, it's fine, I can do it here. But then this new part of me, it ached to be at the foot of the cross. I wanted to go, I wanted to nail my ribbon and make it known. We walked up there and I declared Jesus Lord of my life and nailed my ribbon on the cross, and. Everything since then has just been incredible. It's just changed. All this time, I had no idea what I was longing for. Um, and then I came to church on Easter and I, I found who it was I was longing for and it was Jesus. And my, my life has been so much richer because of it. There's so much more depth and purpose in everything I do and with everyone that I know. So you've heard my story um, and maybe you have a sense of longing in your life and you can't figure out what it is, you can't figure out where to find it. And I just want to encourage you to, to be brave, to come to the cross um, and just have courage to come and figure out who it is that you've been longing for all this time because those few moments of courage that it takes to come up and nail your ribbon will change your life forever. Two great stories. Yeah, clap those. <laughs> Look, um, for many of us in the room, we, we remember when we had our moment with God and it was done. We came to the cross, we put our faith in Jesus. And we, we know the, the burden that was lifted and the peace that flooded our hearts. And a weekend like this weekend is a weekend we just get to celebrate and we get to remember and we get to worship. And it's so fantastic. And some, some of us in the room, you're, you're here at Easter, and maybe you don't even know how you got here. You're just here. Uh, or maybe, maybe it was, uh, you know, a mom or dad talked you into being here. Or maybe it was grandma who bribed you with a ham, and that's why you're here. And you're here. And there was a time when you walked close with God, but things changed, and you kind of wandered. And before long, you found yourself, you know, I just... You didn't feel very connected to God. Today, I want to invite you to come home. 
I want to invite you to have a reunion with your Christ, your Jesus. And I want you to know that when, when you come home and you, and, you, and you come back to Jesus, he's not angry, he's not mad at you. Actually, what, what we see is that he, he, longs to, he longs to give you the royal treatment when you come home. Not the kind of royal treatment I got as a kid when I you know, had to come fess up with some stuff and make things right with my dad. I'm talking about coming, coming home and actually God throwing a party for you and celebrating that a relationship has been reestablished. And for some of us in the room, that that's something that we need to do today. And, and yet there's some others of you who have never begun that friendship Maybe, like Maddie, there was something longing in you. Maybe it was a, a, lot of a, a lot of do, a lot of approaching God by, I gotta do these things and do these things. I better not mess up or someone's gonna be mad at me. And, and you've never, ever begun that relationship in such a way that actually that burden is lifted from you and the peace floods your soul. That guy, Isaiah, I was talking to you about who wrote a book in the Bible, he, he says this, he says about Jesus, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Today could be a day of healing for you. This Easter, 2018, could be a day of peace for you, where your relationship with Jesus is, is starting out. It's new. And um, I, I'm, I'm going to invite you in a few moments to come to the cross. There'll be some people here to help you, to take one of the white ribbons that's over here, write your name on it, take a nail and pound it in the cross to have a moment. And the reason I'm asking you to do that is because sometimes these significant moments in our lives need to be marked by movement. That we, we, just, we need to do that. And I know that it takes a whole bunch of courage, but I just, I just want you to know something. We're all gonna be cheering you on. Because every one of us who, who is, we call ourselves Christians, we had one of these moments. And it's humbling. Yet, this is when, the, this is when new life begins for us. When we just confess it to Jesus and we receive his forgiveness. And, and we celebrate on this Easter because Jesus did say it was, it was done and it was finished. And, and you get to receive his, his life, his death, his resurrection as your life and your death, and you get to experience resurrection as well. So I want to invite you to stand. And uh, I want you to invite you as, as the team leads us in worship. We wrap up our service. Whether you're way back in the balcony, look, there's time. You could even start coming now. Maybe you brought a friend and you just, maybe you have a friend and you just need to go with a friend and make it just a little bit, a little bit easier. Way to go, you guys. Way to go. And um, you can just start coming now and have this moment with Christ. He's, he's paid it all. He's made it possible. Let's worship him. Let's enjoy him and the resurrection he gives to us. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon. And we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.